Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strangers Stories, a podcast where in a world where so much drives us apart, our stories will bring us together. My name is Colby Trembley, and I will be your host for this podcast. I am so excited to be bringing you our first introductory episode. I have had this idea for quite some time, and I am so glad that I'm finally going to be able to do it. A couple of disclaimers. To start, uh, I am by no means a professional interviewer or podcast creator, but this is a passion project, so I'm going to be working on it. Uh, I also live on a slightly busy street, so if you hear some cars in the background, I'm going to try my best to edit them out uh, or quiet them down, but I just want to let you know going in. Now, I have two wonderful, incredible guests who I am so thrilled agreed to join me for this first episode. But before we introduce them, since it is the first episode, I thought I would go through how each episode is going to be set up so that you know exactly what you're going to be listening to. So Stranger Stories is going to be filmed or recorded in four segments. The first, which is our introductions, which is just to welcome our guests to the show. Again, they are strangers, they have never met each other, so that's just our brief moment to say hello, which will just be a short segment before we jump into our deep dive, our segment two. And that's where each guest in conversation will get to share their story. I'll ask them about where they are today and kind of the path that led them there. And again, it's in conversation, so along the way, I or my fellow guest may interject, wanting to get to know them a little better. So each guest will have a chance to share their story. That segment will wrap up with our conclusion thoughts, our final questions, and will take us into segment three, Hot Topics. Now, our world has so many pressing issues and questions and topic, and not just our world, but life in general has those questions. So Hot Topics will be our moment to answer or try to answer some of those questions. Uh, They're going to range from all things, from pop culture to politics to what's in the news today to thoughts about life. Um, So that's going to be our Hot Topics section, which is really just, again, in conversation, the two guests and myself really just talking about our thoughts. Finally, we'll transition to segment four, which will just be our conclusions and our closure. Again, these two guests have never met each other before, so it'll be interesting to see where our conversation goes, and I find it's important that we wrap it up and have a moment where we can conclude all of the things that we've talked about throughout this interview. Strangers Stories is a podcast in which we hear people's stories and answer some of life's big questions. Along the way, some of the topics may be difficult or a little sensitive. Listener advisory is advised. Along the way, if something feels to be too much, pause, take a breather, and come back to us when you're ready. Or if needed, skip the rest of the episode entirely. I encourage everyone to find the mental health support that they need and know that at Stranger Stories, we are here to support you. And so, as we get ready to jump into our first segment of Stranger Stories, it is my pleasure to introduce our two guests for today. Both guests are women who I've known, one for only a few years, one for many more, and I am so excited that they said yes. They are both such inspirations to me, and they have such great energies and spirits, which I'm sure you will see shortly. Our first guest is Francesca Scarpa. A happy retiree, Fran is a former educator and director of religious education. Together with her husband Gary, she was the founder and director of Center Stage Theater in Shelton, Connecticut. Fran grew up in a musical family and loves the arts and spending time with her family. 
Our second guest is Darcy Dennigan. Darcy Dennigan has two cats, one of whom escaped today, but was thankfully located a block away. She is the parent of two daughters, one 14, who will be 15 on St. Patrick's Day, a holiday Darcy's grandmother ardently, some, but not Darcy would say over ardently, celebrated, and one eight years old. She grew up in Rhode Island, went to six different colleges, and when she was 33, moved back to Rhode Island. She now lives in Providence, where she directs for the Spatulate Church Emergency Shift, serves as a resident playwright for the Wilbury Theater Group, and works as an associate professor in residence at the University of Connecticut. Her commute, since everyone asks, is one and a half hours. Not too bad. No, she does not have a favorite podcast, but if she did, it would be entitled Opinions. She loves to listen to Susan Sontag lectures on YouTube when she drives to Yukon in the morning. In the afternoon, she likes silence or very poorly produced true crime shows or a mixtape CD that a student once made for her that has the Haley Hendricks song, I Need to Start a Garden on it. Currently, she is in love with Bohumil Krabal. So, with our two strangers introduced, let's hear some stories. All right, and welcome to the first episode, the first segment, our welcomes of Strangers Stories, episode one. So my two guests who you've already heard their introductions are Darcy Dennigan and Fran Scarpa. Darcy and Fran, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thanks for having us. Very excited about this. Hi, Darcy. Nice to meet you. Hi, Fran. Me too. I'm really happy to be here. So now just to confirm, you two have never met each other before. You don't know each other. Correct. Right. Correct. And currently, we're actually sitting in our own houses and recording, and we cannot even see each other. So you guys have never seen each other. You've never met each other. You don't know each other's stories. That's right. That's right. Yep. Awesome. So like I mentioned to you and like I mentioned to our listeners, we're just going to kind of chat and talk and really just get to know each other and get to hear each other's stories. Um, I've known Fran for many, many years, and I've known Darcy for uh, less years, but still years now, which is uh, super exciting. Both of these women here are uh, inspirations to me and have served as mentors and and teachers and guides in my life. And uh, I think both of you, as we get into this conversation, will realize that uh, you have similar auras and energies in a lot of ways, and I'm sure different in many ways as well. Excited. So <laughs> if you are both good with our, our little brief introductions, we'll just get started and move into segment two, which is going to be our deep dives. Does that sound like a plan? Great. Yes. Awesome. So uh, my random coin flip said we're going to start with Fran Scarpa, if that sounds like a plan. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> so, Fran, uh, we've known each other for quite a long time now. Yes, we have. Uh, but there is so much of you that I learn every time I talk to you. So I'm sure that I'm going to learn even more today. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? And then if you want to walk us along those key steps of the timeline, if we were in a history book and we're looking at the timeline of Fran, what are oh some my. of those key <laughs> key points. And at any point, uh, myself or Darcy, if there's something that you have questions about or want to know more about, feel free to, you know, uh, just converse. Okay. Okay. Good luck, uh, Fran. <laughs> Thank you, Darcy. <laughs> I'll forge the path. <laughs> Such a relief. 
Uh, yeah, so um, I grew up in a very musical family. My parents were both musicians. My dad was an opera conductor. My mom and dad both piano teachers and voice teachers in uh, New Haven. So music was always a very big part of my life. My dad always said to me, don't make music your business. <laughs> I didn't listen to him. Uh, because I think because he, he saw the business side of it as sort of taking away uh, in some ways from his uh, energies and the creative side, mm -hmm. which is where he really mm -hmm. wanted to be. But I grew up in New Haven. I went to a girls finishing school for high school, which is kind of funny. It was called the Gateway School for Girls. Uh, if you looked at yearbook pictures of it, you would think we were in the 1920s. Um, <laughs> I, it closed my junior year, so I, I always tell people that uh, I wasn't quite finished, which <laughs> explains me <laughs> now. <laughs> um, I was So again, like I said, music and theater were always kind of part of my life. And um, I went to Southern for college met my husband Gary there. We met doing a play. Surprise, surprise. Uh, we got married right after my, I mean, right after I graduated from college. We had already directed our first play at Shelton High School uh, in that same time period. So May, I did a graduate recital. I directed the first play with Gary, <laughs> graduated, got married, and then we started our life. So uh, I, I was a teacher of everything from elementary school kids all the way up through college. Uh, I was the director of religious education in my parish for a very long time. Uh, my husband and I founded Center Stage Theater almost 20 years ago now. Uh, we're retired, both of us, from that. And um, so where are we now? <laughs> so after <laughs> all of that, um, music is still a really important part of my life, music and theater. And, uh, and the the DRE religious education piece sort of sort of came to me in a weird I didn't want to do it my pastor asked me to do it and he said would you like to be the DRE and I said no um, and then he said would you talk to me and I said no he <laughs> said just sit down and I said Ugh, all right and uh, so I kind of fell into it because I needed a job and because I had always from the time I was a kid I, I thought maybe I was gonna be a minister and I mm -hmm. thought maybe I would go to the divinity school, which was in my neighborhood. Uh, so spirituality <laughs> and, and, and uh, I, don't, I don't even know if it's really sort of like organized religion was not in my head. It was sort of about sharing, um, sharing experiences, sharing stories like we're mm -hmm. doing now. Um, I, I always felt that it's important to listen to other people, hear their perspectives and be in an environment where you can, um, you know, kind of express yourselves in a safe place. And I viewed my experience in the Episcopal Church uh, as that. So then I went to visit the Divinity School and said to my mom, uh, no, I don't think <laughs> Divinity School is it. However, that sort of stayed with me, you know, as I, as I progressed on. And when I was teaching at Sacred Heart Academy in Hamden, one of the sisters that I had become close to said to me, um, I said, I don't know, you know, I don't know what God wants me to do with my life, blah, blah. I don't know what my ministry is. And she kind of looked at me like, hello. And she said, um, this is it, Fran. This is it. 
this is your ministry. And I was like, this is my ministry. <laughs> so then I had to like kind of pause with that for a little bit because I thought that's a little too big for me right now. I got to like really think about that. But I kind of interpreted that as the, you know, that's sort of the core of who I am. I, I, I enjoy connecting people. I enjoy, um, I enjoy learning from other people. I think one of the great gifts about knowing Colby is that, you know, he, I, Thank you, Kobe. I'm, I'm I'm honored and flattered to 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 know that I'm one of your mentors. Um, uh, but you have also been that for me. So as a teacher and a and a and a mentor person, um, I'm I I have been mentored by the people that uh, I have seen grow up in my mm-hmm. world. And uh, that's a great gift, and it's a great way, a give and take for learning. I found that with my kids, too. You know, I learned, I tell my kids they raised good parents. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So I learned from them. And so now, here I am, retired. Uh, I have a meditation group that I meet with once a week, and we just came back from a little sort of mini retreat. And they have been my sort of... um, I'll call it religion, my spiritual community, my my holistic community that, you know, safe place mm. where we can just be ourselves and be able to to explore all kinds of issues and topics. And so uh, an opportunity to sit down with Colby and you was uh, was an easy yes. So <laughs> and I'm just now really just enjoying retirement and sort of saying, well, what do I feel like doing today? I'm going to do this. So. Here I am. <laughs> so have you, Fran, found that in, because now, you know, I know a religious side of you that is a spiritual side of you, mm-hmm. that is uh, a meditative side of you. Do you mm-hmm. feel that that uh, connects to your organized religious, that kind of side? Do you feel like it disconnects? Do you feel like they're one in the same? I don't think it's one in the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um honestly i i love being part of a community where it is organized i mm-hmm. love uh, so I, I i started out as a, an episcopalian in life and then um, i became a catholic later on um, i love the structure of the mass i love or any kind of celebration i love the history of it i love the sights the sounds the smells the communal aspect of it one thing i really liked about Catholic Mass was that I knew that anywhere in the world on that particular day, uh, we were all hearing the same gospel. We were all mm-hmm. sort of focused in on the same gospel message, how we interpret that, you know, within ourselves is however we do that. But uh, so when I would travel and I would go to Mass in other countries, I'm like, yeah, everybody's hearing this same thing. What uh, became clear to me was that I didn't like being in any particular box Mm. so I so if people say to me would you say to me are you a Catholic I would say well I I have Catholic upbringing I have Episcopal upbringing I also have um, Buddhist spirituality and and Hindu spirituality Native American spirituality so uh, it it goes beyond I think that at this point in my life I kind of miss having somewhere that's um got the structure but my little group of of women that i meet with provide me with a structure as well but i loved i loved being part of planning liturgy and uh, music for liturgy 
So yeah, that's a piece that I kind of miss a little bit, but there were too many things that I felt were institutionalized that I wanted to sort out. Mm. Now, going back to your girl, all girls high school, <laughs> how did that impact you and affect you? And, and are there are there traits that you feel you still exhibit today that were kind of introduced from being in that all girls setting? Yes. So I did not think it was an unusual situation until I was a junior at the gateway and my one of my friend's brothers uh, invited me to go to his high school uh, to visit. They were having, you know, like bring your, you know, whatever, some kind of festival or whatever if you, you could bring a friend day or whatever I don't know what it was and I was like oh my gosh they can come and go there's boys here I was like, you know Dorothy and one in Oz I was like oh uh so then I was like wow this is kind of weird we're dancing around the maypole and you know learning how to cruel embroider pillows and <laughs> I could pour tea I could pour high tea for you <laughs> Uh, but it was very heavy in the humanities, um, and and so you know science and math was not the big deal of the day, which was kind of good for me because I did not excel in those areas. <laughs> but um, but what really did I think that remains with me dramatically still to this day is that we had almost primarily female staff, and because there were no boys in the class we had no boys to compete with we was just girl we were we was lovely we were <laughs> just a bunch of girls trying to navigate our way through adolescence which was difficult and we had some really amazing role models and mentors particularly my science teacher mrs hotchkiss who really taught us to value ourselves and value our, um, honor our bodies and protect ourselves and um, know that uh, we could stand up for ourselves in sometimes a male dominated world. Um, so um, I think, I don't know if I appreciated as much then, I, I know I was aware of it, but as I grew older, um, I realized that was a, an invaluable lesson to me going forward in my life and still speaks to me today. I have a question, if that's okay. Sure. Um, when you were first mentioning the school, you said that, you know, you left when you were a junior, so you weren't finished <laughs> and and you joke about that. But I, I'm wondering, like, in what ways do you still feel unfinished? What are the things you're still figuring out or want to do or want to complete? Yeah, my my statement about being unfinished is uh, the joking part of it is about um you know uh, being raised in that sort of environment of uh it was a many of the girls in my school were very wealthy um there were they they lived a privileged life mm -hmm. And it was all very refined, you know, so I, I, I can do refined, but basically I'm sort of, you know, here I am, here's me, take it or leave it. Uh, so that's the kind of joking end of it. The unfinished end, I think, is that um, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to be finished, you know, I want to be unfinished. I want to, I don't ever want to feel like I'm finished. 
I want to feel like there's always something to learn and change and grow. At this point, the part that I'm sort of working on in me is, um, oh, goodness, learning to sort of accept that the times that I'm living in are the times that I'm living in. And there are mm -hmm. things that I cannot change by myself. But how do I navigate my way through all of the things in the world, in my little personal world and in the big world? So our global family and my little personal family. And what are the things that I have learned along the way that I can pack into my little bag of tricks to, um, to keep me grounded and centered? And, and is, there, is there anything that you could share with us? Because Fran, you are such a giver and you are such a uh, let me fill up your cup. Um, and I, you know, I try to be that way too. And sometimes I struggle with overextending and, mm -hmm. and feeling that, that way of, oh boy, how can I fix everything when I can't? Yeah. So is there anything that you, any advice that you've learned recently that you could kind of share of, of how to take that step back? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I struggle with that, Colby, as you know. And I, and I know I see that in you too, that, that giver in you. And it, it's hard to uh, keep the cup full for ourselves. I think it's much easier for me to, you know, to focus that on somebody else rather than to myself. So self-care is um, has become very important to me, especially now in my retirement years. Um, and one thing that we talked a lot about this, this when I went on this little retreat was sort of how do we do that? Can we, can we protect ourselves with sort of a little um, mesh armor? So armor that's not completely solid, that nothing gets through, but uh, open weaved enough that uh, we can take in what's coming, but not, uh, but have a way for it to escape. <laughs> that was a loud truck. Sorry. Sorry, that was that was my breakfast. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so to let that. To, to be able to let it back out again, Colby, I guess right. is the thing. Um, and with everything that's been going on in the world, uh, I, have to, I have to really catch myself and breathe that out um, and say, okay, what are the things that I can do? How can I let go of this? I, I have to tell myself, because I am that person that gets like, well, um, I cannot fix this problem for this person. It is mm -hmm. not even my job mm -hmm. to fix the problem. My job is to be present for the person, be supportive in that moment for that person, hold space for that person, hold space for the world, do what I can, contribute if I can contribute financially, uh, through service, through prayer, through whatever way I can, but not to let that uh, smother me. I'll tell you a quick story. When my friend Maury died, he was, um, he had AIDS and he died. Uh, he was diagnosed right kind of close to the beginning of when we first started to realize what the heck AIDS was and how it was going to affect us. And he lived nine years. He died at age 40. And there were things in my personal life that I was having a lot of trouble with at that moment. And then losing him was a very it was very difficult so i went to sit shiva 
with his mom, uh, which, you know, for those of you that don't know, so in the Jewish faith, you sit for day for several days after um, a death, and there are prayers, and there's community, there's time to talk about the person that you love, uh, so you accompany the, the people, the family and friends. So I got to the door, and <laughs> his mom looked at me, and she said, what? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm just really, really, really sad. And she said, okay, there's nothing to be sad about. She was a Holocaust survivor, P.S. She said mm -hmm. to me, he's fine. She knew what was going on in my personal life. She said, everything is fine right now in your family. She said, so, you know, you need to come in and have a latke and, you know, we'll talk. And that was it. Boom. And I thought, wow, you know. So I really do try to think about right in this moment, right, right in this moment, what are the things that I'm grateful for? What can I do? What can I not try to participate in but not solve everybody's problems, which I really, you know, I had a nun friend that said to me, one day, you know what, friend, you need to get off the cross. You're crowded. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh boy, is it that bad? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, balance is, is hard. So I would say that the thing, the takeaway here is this sort of um, mesh armor. I kind of like that, um, that image, you know? Kind of, you know, we all have our aura, our energies there, but if we're only letting the, the, whatever energy in and not letting it back out again that's not good right. so so to be able to let it flow you know i like that and and you mentioned you know finding things you're grateful for if you could just mm. kind of we'll we'll shift over to darcy in a minute but if you just want to end on mm -hmm. what what is something you're grateful for today wow <laughs> <laughs> so many things I'm grateful for the people that I've met along the road of my life. I'm really grateful for my family. That I, I, I'm grateful that I have a home that I can be comfortable in and safe. I, I'm grateful for my community. I'm grateful for um, being in a place in my life where I can step back and sort of uh, breathe, that I have techniques or, or tools to help me with that, meditation and breathing and, and um, quiet time. And, 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 I'm, and I'm grateful that I have a partner that I go through life with that is also, um, we're aligned in many ways that we might not approach it or you know <laughs> tackle the problem the same way, but we are aligned in what we want to accomplish. And even in the most difficult time, we've been able to um, find a way to hear each other, even if we had to be quiet for a little while and then come back and discuss again. <laughs> but uh, so I'm grateful that I have uh, that that, you know, it, it, you take a leap of faith, I think, when you pick a life partner um, that 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 worked out and that we uh that we still have each other to do that i'm great really grateful for my parents introducing me to the arts i could go on and on colby i'm grateful for so many things the world you know the the, the perfectness of our world or the imperfect perfectness of our world um you know nature and and that the earth really provides everything for us and then we humans come along and kind of screw it up sometimes and we kind of i think we're kind of in a big screw up time and we need to all wake up and you know do something about it but i'm grateful that um 
I can find those people. You know, Mr. Rogers, look for the helpers. I can mm -hmm. find the people that can um, that can help me to to stay focused and and to stay uh, grounded. So yeah, a lot of gratitude. Awesome. 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 Yeah. Awesome. Oh, oh my goodness. I don't even, oh, this is so great. It's it just, <laughs> it, it is really just warming my heart that both of you are here to share. Uh, and I have, you know, Fran, I said, I'm going to learn some new things and I already have. So, uh, let's, Me too. <laughs> let's pivot a little bit and we'll shift over to Darcy and, uh, again in conversation so Fran and myself are going to feel comfortable to to interrupt and question and and um but I'll, I'll I'll throw the same kind of thought to you where are you today and then what are some of the kind of big life points that have brought Darcy to where where she is today okay I'll do my best um you got this <laughs> well I'm I'm sitting um up in the like attic sort of my office space. Uh, I'm, I'm just physically going to tell you where I am. And um, the computer, I'm sitting on the floor and the computer is balanced on a, a bunch of dictionaries. Um, and one of them is my favorite. It's this really big old uh, gilt edged uh, Webster's from like the 1950s. Um, it's not worth anything. In fact, I was uh, in New York in like upstate New York in the fall and, and saw this like art installation where someone had like on purpose left all these books open in the rain. Um, outside, it was like an outside installation. And I was like, oh, there's my dictionary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, like, I was like, it was like, it was really humbling. <laughs> it's like, it's one of my most prized possessions. And you know, <laughs> this guy just destroyed a bunch of them. Um, but I think I love this. I, I love this dictionary, and I guess this dovetails to what I'm grateful for. Um, when I decided to go to grad school for um, poetry, my um, stepdad at the time, my he's no longer married to my mom, but he um, he got me this dictionary for Christmas. And I love, it was too big to take with me. I, you know, wherever I went, it had to stay at that house for, stay there for like 20 years. But um, I loved that that like I was known, I guess, and I loved looking at it and finding all these obsolete words. Um, so yeah, God, what brought me here? Um, uh, well, um, you know, it's funny because, you know, and I have to tell you, for a long time, I had a bad association with the word Colby because I, um, I went to Colby College for a year and um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go to college after high school. I, I wanted to take some time off, but um, I have a bunch of younger sisters and uh, my mom was very worried. And um, I don't think she thought I wouldn't go back, but she thought uh, I got some money from them and I might not get that again and I better just go. And, um, and so I went and it, you know, it, it it's a great place, I guess, but just I wasn't ready for college. I wasn't ready for it, and I really had a hard time. Um, and for and then I was embarrassed that I left. And for years, like when I would see a bumper sticker, I would just like I don't know, blush and shame or anger or something when I saw the word Colby. Um, and then 
maybe 10 or 11 years ago, I met one of my best friends whose last name is Colby. And, um, and then I met you. And now I, I like that, like, it's kind of erased that, you know, that, like, that kind of weird moment of indecision and, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm making wrong choices. That's like what the word represented to me for a long time. Um, and in fact, I was, um, I'm sort of doubly grateful, I guess, for this dictionary that the computer's on because I, I know my mom really wanted me to be a lawyer and I was on the track to be one and had, you know, gotten lots of jobs as paralegals and was studying for the LSATs. And I was living in Boston at the time or outside of Boston and I was really lonely. And for Christmas, she got me a like a, a gift card to like a writer's center. Like I could take a, a class at a writer's center. And um, I think, you know, just to meet people. And I took a class with this woman, Emily. Uh, she was born in Ohio, but she had lived in England most of her life. And so she had this beautiful accent and she wore the same dress every class. I think it was Tuesday nights. It was the same like sort of like sundress that looked like it was made out of old drapes. And she had a, a lot of underarm hair and she was, I had never seen anyone like her. She was so beautiful and kind of just not like anyone had ever hung out with. And she knew all these poems and she introduced me to these great poets. And it was supposed to just be like this class to meet people and, and not be lonely in Boston while I was working as a paralegal waiting to go to law school. Um, and it just like it ruined my life in the best way. I, I went to go take the LSATs at UMass Boston. I took the train there and I sat outside and I just didn't go in, um, which I don't know if my mom knows because like I like, I didn't tell she I didn't tell now. anyone. <laughs> well, I think, Fran, I think I think like I think the tragedy in her mind is like I went and I took the test and I did really well and then I decided not to go to law school anyway, but I, I didn't even take the test. <laughs> Um, but I, you know, but she's never, you know, of course she'll always say, you know, like, and you should run for office or you should do this. And I, I get from time to time, I get signed up for these, I, I, to my email inbox mysteriously comes these executive job listings or things like that, you know, and I know, I know where they're from. Actually, I just, I actually just, she just, you know, flat out forwarded me a job listing the other day. Like she didn't even try to disguise it by sending it for a listserv. Um, but, you know, I know, I also know she really supports me. She's just, you know, always worried about, you know, money, of course. Can um, I just ask a quick question? Yeah. So, so when you were when you were a kid, um, what were like the things that you were interested in? So you you know you went to college. I'm sorry, I I don't know. I missed this. What did you major in in college? Um, well, I ended up with an English degree, but what I I had really wanted um, theater actually, Fran. Um, and I there I left Colby College by not by consulting anybody but by running to new york and auditioning for a theater school and getting in and sending in the deposit for my you know part-time job and then dis disenrolling from colby and then being like oh by the way um guys <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I I need a co-signer on this like very bad apartment in New York I'm renting with a friend because we keep getting denied. <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't know, like I would be terrified now, you know, I have two kids now. I'd be terrified, you know, if some of my daughter was like, I, you know, I left college and I'm living in this really scary place. And, so you your know, parents, so you told your parents that they yeah. needed a co-signer. And they I told my mom. Yeah, okay. she co-signed. Yeah. Okay, go mom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She didn't yeah, say a I word either. About that, maybe we'll revisit this. Yeah. Later. <laughs> I have some. I'm, I'm applauding your mom right now. <laughs> I'm applauding her too, and I need I need all your parenting thoughts. I need them so badly. <laughs> If, if we okay, want to turn this into parenting therapy, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> we could talk another time, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Actually, my my almost 15-year-old daughter is in the room next door, and I, I hope she has headphones on because otherwise she's rolling her eyes and, like, <laughs> just. That's what they yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we eventually yeah. take a path that gets us an English degree. Yes. Yeah. And, and what what was after that English degree? How did, how did you, where's our path to UConn? Because that's where I met you is through UConn. Yeah. Um, yeah how did I get to UConn? <laughs> or or um, pass, pa so you path were writing, to professor. You that writing workshop yeah. was kind of where yeah. we, I Yeah. Oh, you. well, I did, I, I did go to grad school for, for poetry. I got an MFA and mm. it was, you know, it was, it was great. It was so, it, you know, it was one of the best times of my life because um, I was around people who, also, you know, kind of wildly, romantically, and practically wanted to be poets when they grew up. Um, and I mean, it's lovely, like it, it doesn't last, right? Because then you have to like, you know, then you have to get a job, but um, it was it was wonderful. And um, I, you know, I, I also, I think the best part about it was I was around people who also like read romantically like who who read you know I had this one friend Ryan Flaherty in grad school and he like he would like read these like Grace Paley short stories to me and like every so often he would stop and be like can you believe that can you believe that you know or he'd like read the line again and mm -hmm. I was just like I could feel the way that like stories and poems like crept into him and it kind of like gave me even more like license to let that happen to me. And um, it wasn't just him, it was a lot of people, but I just always remember like looking at him and being like, he's not even embarrassed about this, you know? Like he's, cause my, mm. it wasn't that my family didn't read, but they're not, you know, they're not like big readers or writers. They're not creative people in, in any way. Um, so it was, I don't know, it was more like a private thing and, that, and it, I didn't understand until I went to grad school that there were other people that who took it a lot further, right. who still take it a lot further than I do. I, I still I still have one foot firmly entrenched in my family. Um, yeah, uh, so UConn, I, you know, like fast forward through like a lot of things, like eight years in Los Angeles and a divorce and being like, committed to staying in Rhode Island until my older daughter was, you know, in college. Um, I just started applying for jobs and 
that's impossible. It's like impossible to get a poetry job in New England, especially I'm just, you know, I didn't have really everything. But um, I got one interview and I ended up getting the job and then I couldn't take it, which is a long story. But then I just, you know, I had a friend who worked at UConn who said, you should apply. And I am, I'm sure that I got an interview because I like, I don't, she wasn't on the hiring committee, but I like that. I, I'm sure she must've said something, but, um, but I did, I did nail the interview, which is probably the first and only time I've never ever nailed an interview. (laughs) Um, and I, I, I have to say that's a lot to do with the interview. Like the main interview was three students Mm. gave me their poems and we sat around and we talked about them and two professors sat there and kind of kind of watched and kind of took part in it as well and and they were two two really you know beautiful people these professors and a beautiful like spirit both of them it, i didn't feel like i was you know under a firing squad but the three poets oh, they were just so good and um it ended up being this great conversation and you know one of them colby i don't know if you know professor sean forbes but he was um, one of the students mm-hmm. at my interview. Um, and what so, was, yeah. Uh, can I just ask, what was the, um, I don't know, sort of the title of the position that you were interviewing for? Sure. It was, um, it was assistant professor in residence, but it mm-hmm. was one semester a year only. Okay. So. Um, teaching poetry just? At the, at the time, yes, teaching just yeah. poetry. Okay, that's um, okay. Yeah, and you know, it was like, it was a way in and it was a great job. And it wasn't like on the off semesters, I had to have all these other like crazy jobs, but um, it was it was great. And now I'm impossibly, I'm full-time teaching. Um, hmm. And I never planned that and feel <laughs> grateful. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, when you said about uh, uh, nailing the interview, uh, I would say listening, what I hear is, yeah, well, yeah, of course, because that was the core of you. You you were in an environment where you were uh, allowed to interact with, you know, potentially what would be your students and and to give feedback on that and to talk about something that you were passionate about. and and so yeah that you know when our when we when we can honor our true core selves and be in that situation yeah that's when boom sale so look at that so and then you so one what was it what i'm sorry what did you say one class a semester was that what it was it was two classes a semester for and and here you are full time and you know the road just kind of opens up uh you know I'll, i'll just quickly just throw in here when we when we opened up center stage what and what center stage ended up being was not what we started doing and huh. it just kind of grew and went and we just kind of you know walked on the road and then all of a sudden it was like whoa <laughs> how did we get here you know so yeah it's that's yeah it doesn't surprise me at all that that happened that's that's awesome what, what can cool, i just ask cool you what did yeah. you think center stage was going to be when you started i thought center stage was going to be a little tiny theater which is what it started out as coffee shop bookstore and little performance space that did acoustic music and you know had some lecturers or speakers or workshops and then you know a small scale show every now and then that sounds like heaven Fran 
Yes. <laughs> I want to live there. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> so it morphed into something way bigger than that, which is which is uh, you know really awesome too. But it wasn't really <laughs> what we thought we were doing <laughs> when we started. <laughs> and, and on that and on that kind of train of thought. I mm. took a theater class with you, Darcy. Mm. I took modern <laughs> drama my freshman year was yeah. my first introductory. So how, how did we go from, and you said that you wanted at one point to major in theater. So where, mm -hmm. where did that bug come back in at the, at the teaching level? Uh, mm. How did that shift go from poetry to other courses within the English department, including theater? Well, you know, it, it was um, necessity on uh, my part because I wanted to stay um, useful and therefore I, because for a long time it was the contract my contract was just a one-year contract in fact this is my first year that I have a three-year contract Yay. so um, for a long time I, I just you know I felt like I will say yes to every question they ask me mm -hmm. and so um, they so they said just sort of out of the blue we you can be full-time next year, um, but we don't have any poetry classes, um, you know, and like, could you teach any of these gen ed classes? And I was like, absolutely, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, and then I like, I basically, I had to read so much that fall to like keep up. I was teaching like a drama class and a novel class and a great literature of like Britain and America like I remember just like stirring some pasta like trying to like cram read another novel like I just I you know and it was kind of like I was like you know my kids are like what are you doing and I'm like I'm working and then I'm like I'm working I like I'm reading these amazing books and this is my job um you know there's other parts to the job but like I loved that I learned just remember that moment and being like I'm working like guess you know this is it this is me and like the steamy pages of the novel that are you know the past is destroying um so they needed somebody but you know I also like I said like I did run away from college to go to a theater school for a year and um I basically flunked out of that but that was because it was acting and I'm you know I'm not an actor I just wanted to be one um but um I do I love theater and actually I've been writing plays now for a while um because I have this great, partially because I have this great theater company in Providence that kind of, I saw a play there. I saw Ionesco's Exit the King maybe mm. eight years ago now. And I was just like, wait, this is, this is theater? Like this can be theater? This, mm. I'd never read anything like it. I'd never seen anything like it. And I immediately was like, well, that's a poem. Like this is actually a poem. They, no one told them, you know, they don't know it, <laughs> but you know, and I, um, and then I kind of like sort of semi stalked that theater company until like over the course of many years, like I, I got to be one of their resident playwrights, um, you know, but I, I really did like kind of stalk them and like hang on and, and like volunteer and because I, the, the artistic director is, just someone who he also he says yes to everything mm. he um and I really admire him and he's done like he's directed my plays and I know that he's just like why are you giving me a poem and telling me it's a play um but he still does it and I I'm it makes what's one of the happiest things in my life right now that I have that 
Now, you talk about saying yes. When is there a moment that saying yes has got you in trouble? <laughs> um, I or mean... Do you, or, do, or do you feel like it's always led you to where it needed to lead you? Um, or both? <laughs> both. I think, like, I think with... I think in, you know, like in, like in art, right? Like with like writing and I remember um, several years ago now, I was driving the poet Paul Muldoon to the train station. He had come to Yukon to give a talk. And one of my students who is, oh my gosh, she's just doing so wonderfully now and like you could see she was going to but she at the time was super shy she wanted to interview him for mm -hmm. this journal and you know he was like such a hot shot and I was so like nervous for her and like like for like everything and but anyway I he agreed that she could interview him in my car while I drove him <laughs> and um so I was driving and like I forget I think he he was in the back seat and he insisted she was in the front seat. So it was awkward because she like had to turn around. But she asked him, you know, oh, how did you become, I think she asked him, how did you become poetry editor of The New Yorker, which she no longer is. But, and he, he said something like, I, oh no, she asked him about his band. He's also in a band. And he said, I always, I always say yes. I always say yes. Um, and I thought, yeah, I love, I love that. And I think that, you know, in terms of collaborations, you know, when someone asks me, like, do you want to make something with me? Um, I always try to say yes, because I end up learning a lot. Um, and I think saying yes in other spheres, like romantically, is not a good idea and it's gotten me in trouble. <laughs> um, so this yes. is, yes, this is not a blanket <laughs> advice. <over> yes. <laughs> yeah. This is just in like one sphere, but yeah. Uh, you know, with eating, with romance, I'm like, just, you know, there's a lot of places you should say no. Oh. Oh my Can goodness. I just throw something in here? I would think I'm, I'm, uh, so you had this dictionary that was very uh, special and important to you. And you, you are a poet, which, you know, of course, centers around words and making pictures with words and images with words and theater, we're doing the same thing. We're looking at the words and how the words make meaning. Very interesting that when we did a play at, uh, at Center Stage, uh, Mother Hicks was the first one where we needed a deaf actor. So we delved into the world of ASL, which uh, impacted Colby. And I love to hear Colby's journeys about, you know, how he's using the ASL. I know he's doing a show now where he's uh, using his ASL skills. Um, so it all boils down to though communication and picking uh, how we express that so to recognize unesco as you know oh this is just a poem this is a poem here and and mother hicks was that as well it was written in very poetic language and for our for our deaf actor he would look at me and kind of roll his eyes and sign to me poetry because it was <laughs> hard for him uh and we learned together how to create those images so um I was thinking about the say yes on that when my husband said to me, we're going to do this play. And I was like, we don't have a deaf actor. And he said, we will find one. And I said, you are very trusting. And he said, <laughs> he, he will come. He will come. This actor will appear. And he did. 
and it was huh. the right actor and we learned so much from that so the so i'm just thinking all of these things that you're saying saying yes the path sort of opening up in new ways let me take this risk and do this thing and then it opens up a whole other piece that we didn't even think about but it all kind of comes back you know comes back to you and your dictionary there mm. you know it's uh, i'm fascinated by your story yeah it's funny it comes you said it comes back to the dictionary because i forgot about the dictionary for a while and then mm. i have this friend um farnish fadi she's a beautiful oh my gosh her poems are there well I, we don't have enough time but she be, um but i you know she was my friend and then like just randomly someone sent me a link to one of her recent poems this was maybe a few years ago now and i when i read the poem i just thought oh, i forgot about words i forgot about words mm. and i literally like canceled everything i was doing that day and just like read the dictionary because mm. i was like what like i mean that's just what her poems make people do i think but mm. yeah anyway i went back to it um and I just want to go back to one other thing when when you were talking, Fran, about like like being sort of wanting to fix everything and sort of mm. giving. Um, I was thinking about that this morning, but in the opposite way because you know writing, you know, in some ways feels, you know, it's very isolating and some it doesn't have to be, but you know, there's a, a central part of it that must be. Um, and kind of, you know, solipsistic and narcissistic. And um, I think that what I struggle with is how much to be in the world mm -hmm. and how much to, to you know, retreat to my notebook. Mm -hmm. Going through this now with my husband, too. He's, he's a writer. He wrote his first novel last year, which he, uh, long story, but ended up um, uh, taking out of it was self-published but it was you know it sold some some books uh taking off the site to because of all kinds of things but um it what he was you know in that in his little writer's den <laughs> writing 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 you know very so i was like hey hey ho hey we, we just retired we're supposed to be spending time together what the heck you doing in there mm -hmm. but what came from that was amazing conversations as he would share chapters of this so yeah there's the um the yin and the yang the balance of um and i and i struggle with this well not struggle i i'm balance learning the balance of this now how much do i want to be in the world and how much do i want to stay in my in my place and sort of um uh, I don't know, cocoon myself almost. Uh, but the, but the, and you know, you're saying that, you know, that narcissistic or retrospective, introspective thing that happens when we write um, is different than when we're doing theater because we have a collaboration of people out there. So we right. have this, you know, whole bunch of people, but the two things still go hand in hand. You know, I think there's the this and the that, and they kind of balance themselves out. Um, so yeah, it's interesting, uh, to, and he, my husband has always been a writer. He was a writer when I met him, but he put, put that kind of on the back burner because theater took up so much time. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, it was like, oh, let me, mm -hmm. let me, you know, write this thing that I've been holding on to for all of these years. Uh, so yeah, the balance, balance is always a, a thing, you know? 
But yeah. we realize, I mean, how much when we read, when we read other people's poems. And, you know, I, I think when I was, you know, when I was in high school and then I, even when I was in college, I felt like the professors that I had were like, you know, here's the poem and here's what it means. Oh, that's so terrible. Would, yeah. So I would look at and I would think I'm not going to get this right. You know, I don't know what the right answer is. And when I taught, I, I was teaching freshman English and my poor little freshman looked at me like I had five heads because we would be reading literature or poetry, particularly poetry, and they would read it and they would say, but what does it mean, Mrs. Scarpa? And I say, well, what do you think it means? Mm -hmm. and, and there was this like pause, you know, they didn't even know what to do with that. So we learned to say, you know, yes, okay, so maybe perhaps the intention of the writer is whatever that intention is for that writer, the writer wrote this. Once it's out there now, we bring to that our own vision and sensibility. So I used to say to them when they would write to me, you tell me this and you, if you can back this up and tell me, explain to me why you feel this is this thing here. I said, there is no right or wrong answer. Blew their minds blew their minds because they didn't know what to do with that. So, so, um, so I was great. I guess I'm kind of grateful that they said to me, it, you know, here's what it is because that catapulted me into no, wait a minute. No, that's not how I'm going to teach my students going forward. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. Okay. I'm going to be, quiet I love now. that. <laughs> I know. I love that. <laughs> well, this, this has been so great. And I, I'm going to throw it back to to Darcy for one last little question and then we'll kind of wrap up this segment and move into some some questions some hot topic questions but uh just one thing you're grateful for today Darcy oh um I think you know the health of my kids and me and my friends I, I you, one that's so unfair <laughs> <laughs> you can give us a few you can give us a few I'm really grateful for my friends and yeah and my kids and my mom um yeah awesome all right well then we're gonna take just a quick pause here and we'll jump into segment three and some hot topic questions okay okay all right friends so we're gonna jump into segment three our, our hot topics so again some of these uh you may want to elaborate on some you may want one word answers um and at any point, again, I invite you to, to skip over a question or move on if it's a topic that we don't really want to talk about today. Uh, this first question is probably my most controversial, so I thought we would start with it first. Uh, pineapple, does it belong on pizza? <laughs> no. I was so nervous. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had it on pizza. When I, it's a hot because it doesn't eat. belong there. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad I got you both laughing, but um, I, I, Fran and I have talked a little bit about this when we were talking about uh, about gathering uh, in the past week or so. We've seen uh, a a war break out on the other side of our globe, and. Uh, I just wanted to give you both just the opportunity to to either share a thought on it or or how it's affecting you or how it how it may affect you because uh, I think it's really easy for for a lot of Americans to say well it's a, it's across the globe so it's it's not affecting me but but for, I know it's affecting me personally so I was just wondering yeah. if, if it is affecting you and 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 what your kind of thoughts are 
Well, I, I'm this, I don't want this to sound weird. I'm very glad to be affected by it because Mm. I think sometimes my life feels so full or I'm struggling so much with personal things that I don't seem to be able to be affected by some things that are far away. So yes. Um, but I think the thing that I have no wisdom to share, but the thing that I've been thinking about is there is this sort of series of pictures online of these younger Ukrainians who were taking up arms and there was this one sort of truckload of women and, you know, one was a a teacher and one was a a business manager. I forget what the other one was. And they were, you know, in their 20s, 30s, 40s. And, you know, they're sitting there in this sort of convoy, you know, learning how to, going to learn how to shoot a gun. And, And I just thought, like, I don't know, how do I say this? Like, they're sort of giving up their, you know, their, the, the exigency is such that there wasn't a choice for them. Mm-hmm. But I also feel that in a lot of ways, what is happening, like, with the climate and also with a lot of things in America, you know, a lot of inequities in America, like, it, we are also at war. Like, America is also at war. We, like, the whole world is really at war. Mm-hmm. But... And I'm wondering, like, what it will take for me to – I'm hoping it doesn't take that sort of exigency that these women are feeling in order to fight what I perceive to be the wars that we are in. Oh, my goodness. Don't start with you don't have any wisdom to share and then (laughs) say that to me. (laughs) Yeah. And now I need to go to sleep for five weeks. Right, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I need more than coffee after that. Um, yeah, this whole thing is just, uh, yeah, I really need that armor. <laughs> I need mm. the armor big time. The mesh. Uh, the mesh, yeah. Right. Oh, kind of, I, maybe I just need the solid right now. <laughs> Don't let it in. No, um, I'm really kidding. Um, it's, um, it's so disturbing to me that we continue to do this to each other, you know. Mm. And, um, and I'm... Uh, I guess um, engaged Buddhism, Thich Nhat Hanh, sort of, uh, you know, I, I don't think we ever really, not that we don't learn anything new, we do, but things that we know to be true uh, speak to us again, you know, things wake that up again. And uh, he talks about um, interbeing, that we inter are with each other. There's no separation between Darcy and Colby and Frank and the rest of the world and the and nature and animals. And we are we are we are in a symbiotic relationship with each other, and we're not. They're not over there, and we're over here. Uh, we are that. Mm. So for the empath, that's a very difficult uh, dynamic to navigate. So going back mm. to what we talked to before, Colby. Mm. Um, but it just boggles my mind that we cannot learn as as one human family to share our resources and to not want to take things or own things or draw lines that say this is mine and that is yours. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's it has affected me and I have to um, really think about how I 
let that affect or how I protect myself from that while still being empathetic and um, and proactive in whatever way I can be proactive right. within my little world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's very disturbing. Awesome. Um, what's the most recent TV show or movie you've watched? Completely pivoting. I told you some of these are, <laughs> are going to be deep. Some of them are just going to be kind of lighthearted. My brilliant uh. best friend. Or my brilliant friend. I'm sorry. That's mm-hmm. what it's called. Is that the Elena Ferranti? It is. Oh. Wait, did you read it or see it? I did. And now I'm watching it. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it's tough. <laughs> but it also is, is I think, uh, gives a... It's, a, it's an interesting watch. I, that's all I can say. You got to like Kenner. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love that book. I, I mm. read it like when my youngest daughter was like one. So I kind of read mm. it in a dream. But I love that book so much. <laughs> mm. Leela is quite a quite an interesting uh, woman. And Lenu, too. The two of them are, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Darcy, do you have a most recent TV show oh. or movie you've watched? Uh, well, sure. The really, <laughs> I um, kind of almost exclusively <laughs> when I need to calm down, watch the show Bones mm-hmm. because there's a zillion ep- episodes and seasons. Um, yeah, I. <laughs> You'll never I, know. I I'll never. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I only have three seasons left. But you know, <laughs> I you know one of my students. I guess like last year, titled a paper ironically uh, after that show, and I was like, "What is? Does this have any offer me any wisdom into like the rest of like the paper?" So I looked it up, and so I I blame Frankie DeVivo for my <laughs> bones obsession. And there you go. <laughs> uh, this this question I'm stealing from another podcast that I love called Man Enough. Uh, when's the last time you cried? Uh, <laughs> When was the last time I didn't cry? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> about about you know crying with happy tears, crying with funny tears, and and crying with you know ah tears. Not this weekend, I mean this past couple of days, mm-hmm. did a lot of all kinds of crying. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I, more is like when was the last time I tried not to cry? Which is like <laughs> my grand probably. Be, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, just when 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 Fran started talking and like the initial like, you know, like life story, I was like, "Keep it together, Denigan. Oh. This is not this. You're 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 not a listener. You're a participant today." You know? Oh my goodness! Yeah, my grandson said to me when he was a little kid, a little bean, he looked at me in the face and said, "Grandma, sometimes I love you so much, I want to cry happy tears," and I was like, "Ah." And then you cried happy so, tears from hearing it. So that's what I that, I think about that. Happy tears, you know? That's the grateful, gratitude, awesome, happy tears. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, who Who's your biggest mentor right now or throughout your life? Like, is there one person who's really standing out today? Hmm. Wow. Um, that's a great question. I, <laughs> I, I, um, I actually, like, a year or two ago, wrote an essay on this poet who I considered my mentor. So I'm not going to say her now, although she's the person who leaps to mind. But um, 
I, like so many writers, like not ones I've ever met, but just like these writers that I read, like I start to sort of study their, you know, their choices and morality, like as much as I can through the books. And so I guess, uh, I'm not going to say his name right, but Bohimo Harabal, um, who is, who was a Czech writer. I'm totally in love with him now. And he, yeah, he, he died trying to feed the pigeons. He fell out a window mm. feeding the pigeons. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad you struggled with his name too. Cause I said it during my intro cause you wrote him in, in your intro yeah, and, and I also struggled. Oh, oh, I mean, so many, Colby. I don't even know. I guess, you know, my sister has been a big mentor in my life. My, mm. my, you know, I, I learned a lot from my sister. And, you know, so many teachers and, and writers and spiritual people, Ram Das, Thich Nhat Hanh, um, Pema Chodron, you know, all these, all these spiritual writers that sort of wake me up, you know. Uh, so many mentors. I mean, I you know, on and on and on I could go. So <laughs> today, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, uh, I don't even know who's, who's talking the loudest, but they're all talking. So. Perfect. All right. I got two more questions. Uh, uh, do you feel you've achieved your dreams? Mm. Uh, good question. Um, my dream is pretty simple right now. My my dream is just to be here mm. now. Ramdas says, "Be here now." That's that's I, I, um. I don't have any grandi. I, I didn't have any grandiose dreams. You know what I mean? Like big big things just kind of went where they went, and I was there. Um. I I really I really <laughs> yeah dreams I don't know I have to I have to really like analyze my relationship to that yeah to your dreams because um, I I see that in so many different ways so yes in in many ways yes I feel like um, I'm trying to I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying to understand being a human Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> or at least whatever that means for me right <laughs> to be Perfect. whoever i think i am <laughs> yeah i love that i did have grandiose dreams i still have grandiose dreams i think i'm struggling with being okay i'm struggling with like having them and, and not doing anything about it mm -hmm. um but yeah i i think what I what Fran said about being here now or being human, I I've been I think the word I've been using is process and just like mm. my my goal isn't to like finish anything or mm -hmm. control anything but just to be in the process and I'll that goes for parenting for sure but and all but definitely with writing too. Awesome. Awesome. Writing, and theater, and life—it's all. All, all part connected. of a process. <laughs> and just finally, if you're going to be remembered for one thing, what is that thing? I actually 
the only reason I've been thinking about things is because I have a sabbatical, which is my only one, like, for their whole, my whole life, which is a different story. But I was thinking about this this morning. So I'll just jump in because I been reading this other re- writer too alongside um Haravel, uh Alda Marini who is an uh, Italian poet who um you know anyway when she died she had cancer and she was in the hospital for a long time and uh all of the nurses who attended her just remembered how interested in their lives she was and how and how kind and I thought wow even more than all of her poems like i would i would love to be remembered as dying gracefully mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's on my mind often <laughs> um yeah i don't think it has any i think oh being remembered doesn't really have anything to do with the things that i whatever in sort of a accomplished mm-hmm. You know, it's about who I am as a person. So, I hope that I uh, remember to somebody that was kind. Well, you you certainly will be because, uh, uh, you know, I I I sing both of your praises so much, and and uh, I I just have to thank you both for your openness and your willingness to just talk and share and and impart your wisdom and as i started i will end you are both two brilliant mentors in my life and and this certainly has allowed me to grow just this conversation today uh i've learned so much from both of you about both of you and uh i just want to say thank you i know that we're wrapping up on our time here but i just i really want to just say from the bottom of my heart thank you for joining me on this passion project and uh and just sharing with me sharing your story Thank you for inviting us to be part of this. Darcy, I'm grateful to have met you today. And I feel that we have more to more to talk oh, about. Yeah, I wasn't kidding about putting you on speed dial. Hey, thank, I'm ready. Yeah, thank you, Fran. Colby, you're just, I'm so glad to be able to be one of the people who knows you. I'm, I'm very happy you're, you're existing. Me too. <laughs> thank you, Colby. Thank you both. And there you have it, our first episode of Strangers Stories. I want to thank again Fran and Darcy for being my guests, and I want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to the first episode of Strangers Stories, where in a world where so much drives us apart, our stories will bring us together. See you next time.